0: Each year, thousands of thought leaders across every industry descend upon Austin, Texas, bringing with them the latest innovations and ideas from around the world. This is Market Scale at South by Southwest. Welcome to the Market Scale South by Southwest podcast. This is the first of a three part series of conversations that are taking place at South by Southwest down in Austin, Texas, the hub of innovation this week. It's really, really exciting just to get to be a part of that, to get to be down there and feel the energy of the area, and just uh, look around and see so many different people who are innovating in so many different ways from all around the world, from a lot of different industries. It's just a really exciting time to be down in Austin, Texas. And so uh, we have loved the conversations that we've gotten to have. And from those, we've put together three different podcasts that we're going to be releasing for you over the coming week. The first podcast has a story that comes to us all the way from Belfast, Ireland, where we talk to two guests about how a 3D-printed kidney saved the lives of not one, but two individuals. We'll tell that story on the podcast, as well as we'll get some answers on healthcare and blockchain and how those two can work together to really create a better environment for patients. And finally, we'll talk to an expert in behavioral economics to learn more about what younger generations are really looking for when it comes to advertising and marketing. I think younger generations are obviously a little bit different. They've grown up with social media. So how can Fortune 500 companies and larger companies really adapt what they're doing to be able to reach out to these younger generations? So we're going to talk about that on the podcast as well. So like I mentioned, a lot of great stuff coming up on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's dive into that first podcast from South by Southwest coming up next.
1: Specific testimony is what makes a conference like South by Southwest a must attend event. Dr. Tim Brown, Consultant Transplant Surgeon at Belfast City Hospital in Northern Ireland, and Nigel McAlpine, Immersive Technology Lead at Digital Catapult, spoke to MarketScale about a life-saving surgery that was made possible through new technologies in the medical field. Hear about how a kidney transplant was derailed by a tumor until the surgeon and a technology company were able to save it and make it safe for donation.
0: Gentlemen, Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having us. Well, welcome to the uh, wonderful city of Austin, Texas. And today we're talking about taking 2D scans and making 3D models of them. Is that, am I describing that at all correctly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, had a, we had a bit of a dilemma where a young girl uh, was in desperate need of a transplant. She didn't have long to go and mm-hmm. it was very unlikely that she was going to get a transplant in time to save her life and her father came forward and uh, offered to give him, give her his kidney. Um, Unfortunately, whenever we did our pre-operative checks, it transpired that he had a tumour sitting in his kidney. Um, uh, and uh, we needed to do some work a- about uh, h- how to actually make that transplant happen. So in terms of getting the the 2D images, the CT scans and the MRI scans, we uh, we turned those into a three-dimensional model uh, to help us guide the, uh, guide the operation.
0: And we have the model sitting right here actually, yeah. so this is really phenomenal. Show me a little bit about what we're looking at here.
2: So uh, this is, a, this is a, a, an exact replica of his kidney, size, shape, all the little bumps and things are actually mm-hmm. uh, what happened. Um, we've got the, the hilum of the kidney, which is um, uh, where the blood uh, vessels run. So we've got the red, uh, it's, it's nicely color coded for us, just yeah. in case we didn't know what <laughs> we were doing. Um, the red uh, surgery by colors, um, the red one was the renal artery, uh, the blue one is the renal vein. And, of course, we've got the yellow, the ureter, that's where, that's the uh, tube that connects the kidney to the bladder, and that's how the urine gets out of the kidney. Um, but they've done it specially to our um, specifications. We've asked for a clear um, uh, kidney, and then they've marked the tumour for us very helpfully um, to show us what we need to chop out. Um, to, uh, to, to to make this kidney transplantable, because clearly we can't transplant it with a tumor in it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. Nigel, explain to me a little bit about how AR really played a part in being able to craft and make something like this.
3: Yeah, well, it, um, Axial 3D, or the name of the company back in Belfast, who produced, produced these and Digital Catapult uh, were in conversations with them. Um, they use a lot of artificial intelligence uh, to help decipher what comes out of the CT scans and MRI scans. And then once that is applied, um, they can then be turned into a 3D model. And it was that element of it that I was looking at, well, how can we make this uh, into uh, augmented reality? Yeah. And then that can be the next step of what, what, what Tim is talking about there, so you know, the surgeons still love that feel of an actual um, organ, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time there's that, there is that ability to turn what you see there into an augmented shape that would then be used in a pair of AR glasses uh, to aid uh, either the pre and the, the during um, process of the operation.
0: That's really exciting. And, and part of what I what I think is just so fascinating about this is just the ability to, I think, better prepare surgeons like Tim who can then go in and feel like uh, they have the most information that is possibly there at their fingertips to do the best job, right? That frees you up in a way? You're
2: absolutely right. Um, it was, I mean, it was invaluable um, in terms of preoperative planning. and. Do you know, it's, it's, it makes it even easier because then I can go and take it to a friend up the road and say, what do you think? How do you think I should be I should do this? Do you think I should make my cut here? Yeah. Do you think I should make it there? So I was able to go into the surgery completely um, uh, confident that we were going to achieve what we needed to do, which was uh, make sure that we've um, A, got a kidney, B, we've got a kidney that's safe to transplant mm-hmm. and one that's been repaired properly so that um, our, our young lady uh, is going to get and, uh, a long and successful life with this new, new life-saving uh, kidney.
0: Absolutely. And so you guys are here in Austin for South by Southwest. And, Nigel, there's going to be a panel uh, discussing this. Is that right?
3: That's correct, yeah. So um, back in the summer when I was chatting to the guys, I suddenly realized the story that was coming out of this technical or technology uh, discussion and I thought it makes a perfect panel for South by Southwest, so lucky enough it was accepted, and we'll have two members of Actual 3D there, um, Dan who's the CEO and Kathy, who's production manager along with Tim, to actually tell the story so it's more about the human story, of the application of the technology, um, rather than just the technology itself, so yeah, that's in the JW Marriott on Tuesday the 12th at, at 12.30, if any of the listeners want to come along.
2: Yeah, I think Nigel actually, he hit the nail right on the head there this is a human story, mm-hmm. and it's nice that we can actually take technology Uh, and actually apply it uh, and we can see the tangible results of what technology in marriage with um, clinical science can actually achieve. It really is fantastic.
0: I think that's a great point, because I think sometimes people get caught up a little bit in technology and advancement, just for technology and advancement's sake, and not the human element of what makes this, um, what brings it back home to why this should matter to human beings in their everyday lives. And so I think that that's a, that's a great story, that this uh, very tangibly applied to this family in this yeah, case. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, the, our young girl, uh, that she's a mother, she's got a daughter, and as a result of the technology interface with clinical science, she, the daughter will now grow up with a mum.
0: Absolutely, which is uh, just the best possible outcome. A uh, healthy daughter and healthy father now, um, who otherwise may have not known for a long time uh, that that was existing in his kidney, Right yeah that's uh that's incredible to me um but this to me sounds like something really really groundbreaking. How available is this to anybody at any time? Is this something that uh is widespread or could be widespread that's well
2: they, they i mean hopefully we won't run into too many uh, kidneys with tumors in them that's that's actually quite an uncommon thing yeah uh, especially when we're working up very fit um uh, people for living donor surgery um, so we we shouldn't really run into this problem too commonly but Uh, you phone Excel 3D, you send them the pictures and hey presto we've got a kidney uh, a couple of days later so it's widely available now you just need to know how to access it and uh, if anyone is interested then my details uh, I'm happy to discuss with anybody in terms of how to make this, this, this happen for anyone else in the same situation
0: yeah if anybody in our audience is not um, able to be in Austin uh, and, and go to the panel where can they find more information about what you guys are doing and then more information about Axial 3D as well
2: yeah well Axial 3D have an excellent website mm-hmm. um, and you just google XL3D and it'll bring it up um, uh, they're, they're now working with a lot of hospitals in the states and across Europe so it's not just confined to the NHS in the UK it's, he's, he's uh, Daniel who's the CEO of XL3D, he's now created a real world class brand and uh, yeah just get in touch, we'd be delighted to work with whoever wants to work with us we're, we're very collaborative, there's no competition mm-hmm. we, we, we just want the best for our patients worldwide
0: Absolutely. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, is this your first time to uh, to Austin for the two of you? It's my fifth. Okay.
3: Um, so, yeah, it's a fantastic place to come. It's, it's, I think Tim met some people in the taxi within the first half an hour, which kind of blew his mind. And it's hard to quantify how great a conference this is because of the networks you believe you yeah. make. So, yeah, it's my fifth year, but it's, just, it's Tim's first.
2: Yeah, no, it's my first year. I've been walking around with my, my jaw dropped wide open <laughs> the whole time. It's such a cool place. And. That I think it's difficult to explain. I mean, I feed off positivity and mm-hmm. and forward motion. And do you know what? That's what this is all about. And everyone you speak to is so positive, and it's it's, it's everyone's got a can-do attitude rather than a no, no, what's the question attitude, which yeah. sometimes we encounter in our everyday lives. And um, but the, the, the it's just a really exciting, positive, vibrant place. So I'm 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 hoping to thrive here. I'm here for a week, not just this yeah. talk. So I've managed to managed to get a week. So hopefully we'll get some downtime as well. Absolutely. See what Texas has to offer. I hear you know what you're doing with barbecue. Oh, they, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: We know our way around a, a brisket or two. So, yeah, that's that's something for you to enjoy for sure. Yeah. Make sure you check yeah. that out. Yeah. So, Tim, with this being your first time, and Nigel, this being your fifth time here in town, uh, Austin's a unique place. Even, even amongst other Texans, Austin's known as unique. And so I'm going to read you a list of... Things that are available here in Austin that you can either do or see. Some of them are real and some of them are fake. So you guys collaborate. Okay. Let me know what you think. Is this a real thing you can actually do in Austin? Maybe we'll help you plan okay. the rest of your uh, the rest of your time here. All right. Okay. Okay. So the Austin bats, bats as in animals. Is that real? Oh or yeah, fake?
2: no. I read about those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are they? They go and roost under a bridge somewhere. It's quite exciting, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, the Austin beds are definitely a real things. So one for one. Yeah. Live chicken bingo.
2: <laughs>
3: if that is happening, I want to see it. Yeah, and, Nigel, uh, I'm
2: sure you're the man.
3: I don't know, but I gotta say yes because I want uh, it to be true.
2: Okay, well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fake. I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. split the bit, split the vote there.
0: All right, gotta go with Nigel. It is oh, a real thing. Goodness. It is a real chicken thing. bingo. Chicken live chicken bingo. We gotta uh, bring that back. <laughs> uh, maybe not like the most sanitary of activities, but like uh, definitely a real one. Okay, okay. <laughs> Five star restaurant in a trailer park. Is that a real thing you can see here or a fake
2: one? Well, can I just say we had um, taco from a from a truck for breakfast this yeah. morning. So I'm going to go, yeah, it was stunning and if you if you can get if you can if you can turn that into a trailer park, then it's five stars from me, yeah, yeah, not sure I'll
0: say yes though this one is not real, ah! but you are right you can get the like uh, I recommend it in fact, yeah. get food from t- from trucks, yeah. you know like yeah. that's just an awesome thing. Nigel knows what I'm talking about yeah it's uh it's 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 the best way to go here, all right, go to a party at moon tower wow uh
3: Again, don't know what do you think, Tim? <laughs> uh, um, uh,
2: let's we're gonna go positive. So go let's go. Yes. Let's go, yes. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Tim
0: wants there to be a party. Yeah, a party at Moon Tower is real. And if you've seen the movie Dazed and Confused, apparently it's from the movie Dazed and Confused. Right. Okay. With Sir Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Uh, sorry, he's not actually he's not actually knighted. Let's. Uh, all right. Uh, can you rent a VHS from a video store? Very old school. Is that something that exists? Good question. Things are That's good. I like
3: really these. a good uh, t- 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 God, no.
2: Uh, Austin is a bit old school, isn't it? Yeah. I, I've got to say no, though. You're going to say no. Oh, well, I'll split the vote again right, then. Right. Yeah. We'll go yeah.
0: Yeah, you can go rent a VHS. Now, good luck finding a VCR, but yeah, there, yeah. you can go rent a VHS. Wow. Well, all right. Two more. I haven't been keeping score, but uh, you know, maybe it'll all come out in the wash. Can you go visit the Cathedral of Junk?
3: you yeah. do that. I yeah, say. That's yeah, that's an Austin thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. They've made like a gigantic cathedral kind of castle-looking thing out of just like discarded okay. stuff. It's wild. Okay. It's, it's something worth seeing. Okay. And then art studio in a castle.
3: Yeah, I want that to be true again. Yeah, but I mean, would, it, going by playing the ozzo though, I'm going to say no. <laughs> All right, I'll go
2: with no as well
3: then.
0: Yeah. Uh, you should have stayed positive uh, art studio in a studio uh, in a art studio in a castle so definitely something you can see so okay. your options are wide open okay now, uh, yeah. to enjoy the fullness of the city of austin but uh, yeah barbecue and food trucks yeah you won't go wrong no absolutely absolutely well guys enjoy your time in austin thank and you. uh congratulations on the great work that you're doing and uh, and keep you. it up it's a pleasure talking today thank you
2: for having thank us you. today yeah thank sure. you.
1: And founder of Open Health Network, Tatiana Konzavelli, stands at the forefront of two burgeoning industries today. She's at South by Southwest 2019 to explain how blockchain's use in healthcare is more than just hype, and she joined the Market Scale podcast to get into the specifics of its impact.
4: Thank you for inviting me to fill this podcast.
0: Very happy to have a chance to talk to you. Uh, and I'm curious just nowadays how startup companies are approaching healthcare a little bit differently, maybe than uh, established healthcare companies, and what people have done in the past.
4: Yeah, it's it's a very good question because um, I think it's not a surprise to anybody to realize that healthcare is one of the most difficult industries mm-hmm. uh, to work with, and for startups, and it's especially so. So um, if and that's why you know you you kind of see some successes, not. Too many, especially if you, if you're working with big healthcare companies, uh, um, and um, you know, I feel like um, the reason we have a chance on succeeding is because we we started this company. I started this company when I was diagnosed with cancer, so I had um, real drive to make a difference and. Um, that kind of like leads to a thought point: like you can't stop people who have a mission, right? Right. right. So that's one of the drives. But it's by no means like you, along with the mission and drive, you need to you need to have a real good offering that um, is applicable uh, to healthcare companies.
0: So, what do you do at Open Health? Uh, Open Health Network that is different, maybe, than other traditional healthcare companies.
4: So one of the things that we decided to do from day one is embrace Mm patient-centricity. And um, the way I define being patient-centered is multi-dimensional. One is um, personalization. So I strongly believe that there is no one-size-fits-all in healthcare. You can have beautiful content. If it's not relevant for you being having a specific disease or stage of the disease, it's almost irrelevant. Uh, secondly, what's interesting in healthcare is that when you talk about like, some horrible conditions, you're talking about different types of people who um, engage in healthcare with you. It could be your family member, caregiver, nurse, and physician, and so on. So it has to have role-based kind of access. And uh, we talk about a lot um, patients being able to control their data, right? So we came up with, I think, very sophisticated offering that enables democratization of healthcare data, where patient can control who does what when with healthcare data.
0: Interesting. So, to me it sounds, and this has kind of been a theme across uh, a, a number of different industries that I've seen, that big companies that offer one-size-fits-all solutions are missing a lot of potential opportunities to really uh, individualize and personalize things for customers. So you as a startup are able to come in and fill in those gaps a little bit more. Does that give you a little bit of an advantage? Um,
4: of course it does. This, um, what Big companies realize that um, they created all kind of offerings um, in mobile apps and chatbots that they want patient to use. And now, being you know three years into it, we realize that the usage is very low. And now everyone is like questioning, so why we don't see the usage? And then you realize that are like. Personalization is one of those things, mm-hmm. roles-based access. Another one is omni channel communications. It's not up to you to tell me here's an app, you use just app on iPhone. It you know, it has to support any device, any right. language, any communication channel. Um, you know, so now it's kind of a good time. It's you see a little bit like industries maturing mm-hmm. and analyzing what worked, what didn't work, and as a startup, we kind of because we built things from scratch, we did it the right way.
0: Right, right. Um, I'm curious because 2018, you just heard a ton about blockchain. It was everywhere. Um, What uh, impact did that really have on the healthcare industry from your perspective? What did you see as far as an impact from from blockchain kind of taking over in 2018?
4: Uh, Yeah, so with blockchain, you know, that kind of went up. There was a huge hype and then, and then they're like, oh no, 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 it's real, real bad. So we went through like <laughs> <laughs> uh, all both extremes, right? right? So now I think it's normalizing and in uh, many people's mind they kind of blend blockchain and cryptocurrency. Right. And right. In you know, in our case we didn't touch cryptocurrency, we just used the blockchain for all the good things that's been designed to use to be used for so right. such as a ledger right so um, in healthcare i see uh, you know baby steps mostly i see um, uh, initiatives by pharma companies but there are clear use cases by th- you know, for providers and insurance companies and pharma mm-hmm. and researchers. So, but there are still baby steps and I'm glad that we've developed something that we actually deployed and it does give a value as yeah. is, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you see, it, kind of we mentioned earlier, just a maturation of a market. Do you think that that's what's eventually happening with blockchain, we're kind of in that process? You mentioned, you know, wild swing upward. You know, this is the greatest to, oh no, this is terrible. This is a, a maturation point that we're hitting.
4: Yeah, because now you you start looking at, as with every cool tech, it goes through like hype cycle, then goes all the way down, and then people go back to basics So what it's good for. Ian, the good question to ask um, any company that, you know, oh, we were a blockchain, can you do the same thing without blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at like the whole space of private blockchain, like, well, you can potentially deploy like distributed database and you don't necessarily need blockchain. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. so I think that's a real co-validation cool point of, like, why exactly using blockchain? What it gives, what the advantages, and many don't have a good answer to that. Yeah. But, and that's why I think maturity comes in. Because, those questions have been raised, and mm-hmm. then you can see who does what and why.
0: Yeah, and people are as people are kind of working through it, they're figuring out new solutions and new ways to utilize it, maybe harness its abilities a little bit better, so that you see true benefits in the marketplace.
4: Yeah, yeah, from you know tracking medications on the supply chain side to uh, ability to engage people in data sharing. Based on you know people's consent, um, I think it's very important for a uh, variety of different things from uh, clinical trials, research, chronic disease management. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and again, it, those are clear use cases where the blockchain can come in and help.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, you know, asking a company like, could you do what you do without blockchain? Um, how many companies do you think? One hundred percent utilize it, or just use it because it's kind of the, the latest fad uh,
4: I've seen uh, in healthcare mm-hmm. in and outside, but then you know I'm focused on healthcare yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen quite a few you know, companies who have done ICOs and all those things on you know healthcare blockchain that I mean they don't provide. Um, the whole infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, The focus was, you know, quick monetization and the hype. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, those eventually should either change or go away mm-hmm. because we need to have, um, there are use cases where it's uh, important to have an infrastructure like a blockchain and you want to get rid of players who just came on the hype. Yeah. in play with the ones who really can enable end-to-end solution where the blockchain provides like patient identity management or tracking and other things that it was originally designed for.
0: Right, right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what all are you going to be doing here at South by Southwest?
4: So I'm uh, speaking on a real exciting piano with... Um, chief medical officer of Kaiser and chief innovation uh, guy from um, American Heart Association. Oh, yeah. So that's happening in its blockchain and healthcare. Mm-hmm. That's happening on Tuesday at 11 a.m. And um, I'm speaking on another panel on um, you know, startups in healthcare. Uh, lots of meetings and hopefully some fun.
0: Absolutely. Definitely some fun. Speaking of fun, would you be willing to play a quick game with us?
4: Easy. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, is this a real blockchain company or a fake one? Zach, our producer over there has come up with some fake blockchain names. And so I'm going to read the name of a company and you tell me if it's real or fake. Does that sound good?
4: Oh my goodness. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. True story. T-R-U-S-T-O-R-Y. True story.
4: Uh, I would say real.
0: You're right. It's real. She okay. knows her stuff. Tatiana's on it. Coin Bandit.
4: Coin Bandit. I think that's fake.
0: Two for two. She's correct Ooh. again. She's on to you, Zach. All right. This one Q Redo. Q R E D O. Should I say Q Redo?
4: I think I've heard
0: of that one. I think that's a real one. You are correct again. Three for three. Wow. <laughs> okay, what she's, is my price? She's knocking it out <laughs> of the <laughs> what park. What is my price? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, but we're going to have to think of something. Okay, we'll do, we'll do one more. All right. Let's go with Lost token. Lost token. I
4: think that's a real one as well.
0: Oh, that one's fake. Fake. We ah, finally we found okay. one. We found one that got you. <laughs>
4: but at least I, people know that you're not like giving me hints. <laughs> exactly. Yes,
0: that's true. People people will know that this was actually for real. Tatiana, yes. so, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for chatting a little bit more about blockchain and healthcare and uh, educating people a little bit more about the trends that are going on in the industry. We really appreciate your time.
4: Thank you.
1: Workforce and workspace are changing. This much is clear. But what is driving this change and what impact will it have on the future? Heather Watson, behavioral designer for the Center for Generational Kinetics, LLC, has been researching how Gen Z will change the global economy and what the next wave of workers expect from the job market, work environment and more. She also conducted a session on the state of marketing in the wine industry and how the field can better reach a millennial audience.
0: Heather, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast.
5: Today. I am so excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because I'm always really curious just about trends of different generations and how the different factors as far as how we grow up and that sort of thing, end up affecting our buying habits or um, how social media has really impacted my generation being a millennial or younger generation. so I'm really curious. It feels like millennials have been maybe the most stereotyped generation ever. Uh, In what you've seen, is that at all accurate or am I just being dramatic?
5: So you are being dramatic. No, (laughs) it's okay because drama sells. I think every generation has a set of stereotypes mm-hmm. and generations um, from my research aren't boxes. Mm-hmm. They're just clues as to um, how we can predict a certain generation's behavior by scenario. So each generation has a set of parenting principles they grew up that were popular during their generation. They have technology they use during their generation and global events. And so all these conspire together mm. to create this um, multivariable situation where these generations grow up in. And it does really um, affect how they think about the world, what technology they use, and how they approach um, brands and other, other types of buying and services.
0: Okay. So w- when you think about, let's start off with millennials. When you think about millennials, man, because I'm curious, because I am one, uh, and I'd like then to- Then you're the expert. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you probably know more about me than I do, but uh, I'm curious then, like, what are some of those factors then? What are some of the things okay. that you th- you think about uh, when it comes to millennials and, and uh, some of the clues that, that lend some insight into who we are as millennials? Um, as consumers?
5: Sure. So the first thing, if we, if we take all three of those areas, mm-hmm. um, parenting, global trends, and um, technology trends. Yeah. So we, we can look at all three of those areas and say, okay, here's some things that happened dur- as millennials came of age. Uh, the first thing was parenting, most millennials were parented by boomer parents. And so some of the um, beliefs that came uh, across with boomer parenting was it was so hard for me, I don't want it to be as hard for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to give you everything to be successful, and so the whole entitlement stereotype that millennials get um, was fostered by their boomer parents. So
0: it's not my fault.
5: N- not entirely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can always reprogram your programming, right? Uh-huh. So anyway, so that's kind of the first thing on on parenting. Also, um, boomer parents said uh, never, never, never use credit cards, and so we find uh, an era of millennials with with thin credit reports. Um secondly, the things that were happening globally are, are at least in the United States were that college tuition pr- prices were tripling um, the they were de- the student loans were deregulated so we had a lot of interest rate. and then also millennials came of age during the economic um, downturn. So we have stagnation of their buying power and their wages and we have um, high a uh, high debt load because millennials were also told, Get into the best college you can possibly get into. Don't worry about the price. It will all take care of itself later. But guess what? It didn't. So now college instead of being $30,000 is $130,000. And instead of a 3% interest rate, it's a 7% interest rate. And so we have two kind of uh, big factors going on there in terms of their economic viability. And the third thing was um, technology boom, okay? So this is when the iPhone was released. Um, Millennials got these in their hands when they were around 20. And um, there was a whole new kind of era of social visibility that, that came online digitally. So this changed a lot of things about millennials and how they perceive themselves in this digital world. And so the whole digital social world world, um, kind of exploded at this time. So we have a lot of things going on with this generation. So yes, you can't necessarily say millennials are this way or that way, but you can kind of see the trends that were influencing them and how we got to today.
0: So specifically on the social media thing, I find that really interesting. For millennials, I remember getting Facebook and I remember you know, getting an iPhone and things like that. For Gen Z and like, the generation younger than me, it, it's almost something that's been ever-present in their lives for the most part. How has that changed who they are a little bit more when it comes to um, their social visibility and what they like and that sort of thing?
5: So that's a fantastic point. And, and you're speaking to the point when a tech, when you can never remember a time before that technology was just something you used every day, Right. it's, it's completely different. And so uh, millennials can remember a time before the iPhone. They can remember a time before streaming Netflix. They can remember a time before Facebook. For, uh, and they can remember a time before Snapchat, but for Gen Z, most of them got a smartphone in their hand at a very early age, 10. Mm-hmm. So this, just imagine a fifth grader with a smartphone in his or her hand. What they have access to is the the sum of the global knowledge up until this point that's on the internet in their hand. They have the ability to, given their parents' credit card or Venmo, order anything from around the world delivered to their doorstep in two days or less. Uh, and they have visibility and have social friendships with people around the world. So what you have with Gen Z, if we go through those three kind of stages again, mm-hmm. which is parenting, the parents of Gen Z are different. They're not Boomers. They're um, older Millennials or Gen X. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a much different parenting prin- principles than from the Boomers. Right. 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 Um, then you have this technology piece we're talking about, and then we also have this globalization piece, and also AI. And so Gen Z is coming of age in in just this um, amazingly dynamic time where they're living deep digital lives. Their their life digitally as as important as their physical life. Like when we did a survey about you know how important is it that you got your first smartphone, it's up there with driver's license. Graduating from um, high school is number one and driver's license and smartphone is number two. Wow
0: that's unbelievable to yeah. me. Yeah. So then with that being the case, um, what type of uh, messaging and advertising can companies utilize that really reaches this this group is it all about social media and do companies need to go just full bore into facebook instagram snapchat and all of that sort of thing to reach this younger generation of gen z or is it something else do they crave something else that that actually reaches them on an advertising or a marketing level
5: Okay, so we have a lot of things going on. You are absolutely on the right track. Okay. So fantastic yes. analysis there. Okay. Um, so when we, ta- when we think about Gen Z and, and introducing them to brands and discovering brands and attitudes towards brands, um, social media is absolutely a category that companies need to wake up and realize mm-hmm. it's not just a social network, it's a marketplace now. Right. Um, It's a marketplace for a lot of different reasons. Number one, recommendations are one of the most powerful drivers of buying behavior for any generation, but especially for Gen Z, because think about their teens, their friends mean a lot to them. And if they get a recommendation from a friend or family member, that converts into sales at a very high rate. Um, so when you're thinking online, that social marketplace is a place where you can get recommendations from your followers. You can create recommendations um, from your friends and your mom can give you a recommendation on social media. right? Like it's it's a recommendation engine, right? So that um, is a a buying um, driver, mm-hmm. right. Um, the second thing on social media is, it's not just a recommendation in our industry, it's actually a marketplace. So when we start, when we ask Gen Z what was the last thing they bought and how did they buy it, you'll hear things like this, well, I Google-tubed it. And I was like, well, what does Google-tube mean? Well, I saw it first on YouTube, and then I went and Googled it, and then I triangulated the data. She didn't say triangulate, and they don't say that, but from a researcher standpoint, I realized that they're using Google, they're using um, uh, YouTube, And they're and reviews and they're putting all that information together to be persuaded to buy an item and this is they can buy off of Google of course they can buy off of YouTube they can buy off of Instagram and they are buying that way and since they're on their mobile phones they have the highest usage of buying on mobile phones than any other generation because that's how they grew up and that's what they're going to use over time do
0: you find that the behavior of different generations changes as they age when it comes to this sort of thing or do things become pretty set in stone at a pretty young age and 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 behaviors of of specific generations and people in those age groups tend to not move too far away from from these factors that you're talking about yeah Mm -hmm. and the habits that they create when they're younger
5: Okay. So that's a fantastic question. I'm not sure if we have enough time to go into um, habit change by generation, Mm -hmm. Um, but you're speaking my language because as uh, someone who studies behavioral economics and habit formation and behavior, it's something I'm interested in and watch all the time. So is it easy to change a habit? Generally not. Mm -hmm. Um, The easiest thing to help someone change a habit is the environment. So I would say for habit change across generations, if the environment becomes a place where this habit is really, really ingrained, like a smartphone, like Alexa, where it really helps you to do something different in a meaningful way, then you're gonna gravitate and that habit will change. But if it's something that's not a meaningful difference in your life, it's gonna be a lot harder for that habit to change and you're gonna just go with all those neural pathways that you have laid down since you were a fifth grader with a smartphone in your hand. So that's a short answer is if the environment appreciably changes and gives the person a significant reason and benefit for changing, then they'll go down that path. And that's usually convenience, that's usually, it makes your life easier, it meets an emotional need that's very deep and and persistent, so all those reasons will kind of change a habit um, but generally we revert to our current habit structure.
0: So you don't see the growth of you know digital platforms going anywhere anytime soon in terms of there's no their way. importance. There's no putting that back in the box? Nope. Nope. Somebody asked me that the other day and I thought I don't I don't think this is going anywhere man you know.
5: Okay let's put it this way a, a third of teenagers or Gen Z spend uh, that are on their phones after midnight every night Unbelievable. That is a powerful habit. They spend six to seven hours a day messing with their smartphones. Mm-hmm. And they're using it for everything, from ordering food to their friend's house when they're hanging out with them, to Snapchatting with a hundred friends, to buying stuff from Alibaba China, <laughs> from China if <laughs> yeah. they're willing to wait for two weeks, um, to um, creating content. Uh, this is a powerful tool. It's not going away.
0: Uh, Snapchat's the first piece of social media that really makes me feel old and uh, that I'm out of touch <laughs> and don't understand things anymore. Um, so that's it, like cuts particularly deep for me. But um, what aspect of all of this you think is, mis- is most misunderstood by large companies? Um, you know, is it the value of Instagram or you know, platforms like that or you know, what, what is it exactly that, that is often misunderstood that you have to come in and kind of correct some thinking maybe?
5: Uh, I think that big companies are very uh, used to create, create not creating new ways of doing things. So, big companies have optimized a set of processes and procedures. And when it comes to marketing, that is advertising, shooting a TV show um, or a TV clip, um, um, all the kind of old, putting something in a magazine, creating a TV spot. These are all kind of the old way of doing marketing, and I think they kind of have all those processes in place, they have those budgets in place, they have those people in place. And to say, oh, hey, most of your consumers are not in any of those places, Yeah, is hard for them. And then to ramp up a whole nother set of uh, digital processes um, usually requires a younger generation of, of marketing. And so digital marketing, remarketing, PPC ads, all, all these things, social marketing, content marketing, influencer marketing, that has proliferated so digital market has just like fragmented in so many ways i think it's confusing to know what you need and what strategy to take
0: absolutely um what are you doing here at south by southwest this weekend and uh, where can people find more about you
5: Okay. Well, I'm going to have a lot of fun this weekend, but uh, <laughs> on Monday, on Monday I'm giving a presentation about the future of wine and how the wine market can capture millennials and Gen Z dollars. Ooh. Um, that's going to be already captured all
0: of my wife's dollars. So,
5: <laughs> um, uh, that's actually a key point. Women are wine consumers more than men are. So job, job um, well done there <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So we're giving a, a talk on that and, um, you can find me at, um, uh, H Watson uh, yeah H Watson at genhq.com you can email me with questions and then if you're very curious about Gen Z uh, more about Gen Z and Millennials we have all of our research online at cgk um, genz.com so go to genz.com we have our white papers uh, search uh, CGK you'll find them there and there's like 80 pages of data that can really help you
0: I'm fascinated and uh, we'll definitely be diving in and learning a little bit more. Heather Watson, thank you so much for joining us here on the Market Scale Podcast. Thank you. All right.
5: Bye.
0: That's all for the first installment of Market Scale at South by Southwest. Be on the lookout for the second and third parts of that series coming out later this week. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.